Hello, and welcome to episode 51 of the Coin Press Podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today, I am joined yet again by Andrew Levine, CEO of the CoinUps Group. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, Luke. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Always a good time to have you on the show here. Um, so yeah, we I wanted to hop on uh, because earlier, I think it was this week, might have been last week, uh, the, the CoinUps Group announced their roadmap. Um, for the rest of the year, I guess. And you you got into a lot of different things that we'll we'll dive into throughout this show. But um to start with, you you started out explaining, you know, more about Coinos and how your vision for it and how it's come to be really about uh the accessibility of anti-tyranny technology. And, and I, I love that term that you you coined oh, there. <laughs> um, can you go into more detail about you know what is anti-tyranny technology and then why Coinos uh, is, is, I guess, the most accessible version of that? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, sure. I think that's that's a great question. One of the things I've been thinking a lot about lately, you know, th this is basically a project that I've been working on in one way or another now for 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 so many years. And you know, you'd like to think that you have this like coherent narrative, but uh, about why why you're doing this. Um, and I, and I think, I mean, part of why I've been doing this is because what is going to get Coinos adopted, what is going to get, I guess blockchain technology has always been inherently compelling to me. Mm -hmm. And that gave me an intuition that this was very disruptive technology. And over the years, there have been different things that have appealed to me. With Steam, it was the idea of putting, you know, ideas on an immutable ledger. Right. <clears throat> and so I've been driven to attempt to mainstream this technology, but it also became clear to me during this time that the technology itself is not inherently compelling to everyone. Mm -hmm. and, and And if people don't get it, if people don't, you know, see, touch, and feel how this technology can make their lives better, they're not going to use it. They're not going to be interested in it. And it's not going to have the kind of impact that I, I think a lot of us know it could have. Right. <clears throat> and one of the kind of really amazing things to see is that the process of creating and releasing Coinos has actually given, provides tremendous insight into why we're doing this. And mm -hmm. so, uh, which is kind of a funny thing. It's like, well, you're built, wouldn't you, aren't you building it because like for a reason? And it's like, yes, but that reason isn't necessarily as clear. Like the process itself reveals the reason. Right. And so through this process, I, we've now gotten to a place where I can look back at everything that we've done, everything that I've done and say, what are the, under, you know, what are the underlying universal um, 
philosophical beliefs and ideas and values that are motivating this and uniting us all because it's those universal values that are ultimately going to appeal to everyone. It's like definitional if they're right. universal, right? And so trying to distill things down into the universal values, not all universal values, but the real ones that lie at the core of what we're doing. And, and as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing, you know, that it's anti-tyranny technology, right? It's not necessarily anti-government, for sure. example. Yeah. Um, right. Because like governments can be democratic and they can, you know, and, and they, you know, the, the, there, there could be good people, um, you know, coming up with intelligent laws that formalize the beliefs of the people within a, within a certain t territory. Right. Um, and it's like, you could walk up to probably, hopefully a lot of people in government and say, I really hate tyranny. And they'll be like, <laughs> sounds good to me. You know, it's like, right, right, yeah, yeah. No, who likes that? Who likes that? But of course the question is, do you have something that is actually fighting that? Mm. Uh, and, and then when you look at, at what we're bringing to market and, and granted other blockchain projects are too. Yeah. Um, and, and I think these values are are common in, in hopefully common in the blockchain space, maybe not as common as we'd like. Right. Um, but where we differentiate ourselves is that while we share values, one value that we certainly don't share is that this technology should be highly accessible and accessible to everyone or if they share it they're certainly not acting like they do right yeah i mean that's that's evident from like the ethereum i forget which eip it is but the whole burning of <laughs> uh, your gas fees right with like that just clearly pads the pockets of the people who hold the token and makes it less and less accessible for new people to come in so, and ETH is just one example, obviously. There's a lot of other blockchains with a lot of other teams behind them, but there's very, there's a very um, pervasive concept of speculation that's baked into this community that a lot of the times overpowers the deeper, the deeper meaning that we can have here. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like you can start a project um and fuel its growth through speculation and then pivot right that doesn't seem to be possible right. based based on the evidence based on every you know like just now we have copious amounts of evidence to that point i think mm, yep no i agree with that um also not to get totally off topic here <laughs> but uh as you're talking about tyranny and, and government and that sort of thing. Um, I'm reading a, a book right now called Why Nations Fail. It's a very interesting read. Um, if you uh, if you have your your ample free time, right? Uh, <laughs> you should uh, you should pick it up. They, the authors get into a lot about um, extractive versus inclusive 
political and economic structures. So it's very interesting. Oh, interesting, because I've been using the term extractive. I've heard of the book. Who are the authors? Uh, I have to look it up. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, those pop quizzes. It's yeah. like, <laughs> half the time I'm reading a book, I don't remember the title, don't know the author. You know. I know, right? Um, but yeah, I'm, I actually might have. I've definitely heard about it. It's, it sounds interesting. That's the kind of thing I love. But yeah, yeah. reading books, not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Darren, I'm going to say this wrong, Akamoglu and James Robinson. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yep. Very interesting. That yeah, it sounds great. Um, okay. So moving on, enough about tyranny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, talk to me about Coinos Pro. Uh, you you said in your, your roadmap announcement that Coinos Pro is meant to be the bridge between Web 2 and Web 3. And I'm assuming you don't mean like a blockchain to blockchain bridge, right? We're talking about something else here. You want to go into that? Yeah, yeah, sure. <clears throat> Did I just real quick go back to the anti-tyranny thing? <laughs> I'll keep it real short. One of the one of the beliefs I've held from actually before Bitcoin yeah. was that you know there's this idea, uh, I forget who said it, but it's something like if you control people's money, you control the people. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, that always resonated very deeply with me. And the conclusion that I came to about that was that, and this was somewhere in the context of the 2008 financial crisis, was that in order to maximize freedom and abundance, mm -hmm. you needed to have a free market of money. Right. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, that was always what appealed to me about blockchain. Um, and so, you know, like, that's just... <laughs> that to me is connected with the anti-tyranny thing because it's like how, how, how do you like maximally oppose tyranny max maximize people's freedom well you give them a potentially infinite number of economies that they can voluntarily jump into and out of right um or inhabit simultaneously and that's right. really the vision of the future that inspires me that i think would be really cool to be a part of um and it can have all these different properties you know you can live in the in the bitcoin world where you have this deflationary currency that discourages right. all growth or you, you know you could jump over to your inflationary or you could certainly inhabit both you know um and so yeah I, you know that that's that's connected to that anti-tyranny part. That's, you know, it's not like, like obviously everybody hates Hitler, um, <laughs> but like, you know, it's it's less about that, although of course, you know, yeah. Um, right. And it's more about like actually envisioning an achievable future where people have more freedom and more opportunities um, to produce wealth and engage in activities. Right, um, right. So now bridging web two to web three. Uh, Sorry, yeah, now, it's, now I'm gonna interrupt you before we get okay. to that. Because <laughs> uh, you're, you're hitting all the points here that I think are, are interesting from, from this book. The, uh, what you're describing is like economic inclusivity, right? Because you have, structures where uh people 
can trust that if they make a buck, they can keep it, <laughs> um, that uh, they can go out and get opportunities and they don't need a grant of a monopoly from the king, right? Um, you can, if you want to compete, you can compete on a fair stage, right? So whenever there's economic structures like that in a country or on a blockchain that allow you to come in and try and succeed or fail and know that that's based on you and the market and not based on, you know, whether the higher powers that be approve of you or don't. And, you know, are you rubbing the right elbows or whatever? Um, that's how you have inclusive economic structures that are very important. Now that ties back to inclusive political structures where if you don't have a say at all in the, the, the vote, right, then you don't trust that the, um, the dictator will keep the, uh, the inclusive economic structures around. They can change the rules at their whim. And so you really need both uh, inclusive political and inclusive economic for a country to thrive in the long term. And there's a lot of parallels there with blockchain because you have decentralized governance and decentralized tokens that are monetary. Um, so yeah, as I'm reading through it, I'm tying a lot of this back to our blockchain space. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. And it, it, it highlights like, yeah, I think a lot, <clears throat> people tend to really focus on the, econo the economic stuff. Um, but you're absolutely right that there's equally as big opportunity in the political sphere and there's a equally as big component to what we're doing that is political in nature mm -hmm. meaning attempting to deliver infrastructure po political infrastructure that can increase people's influence over their governing structures right, uh, right. you know like you, you should be able to cast a vote on an immute uh, uh, in in a well in a way that is verifiable to right. you and to others um that has significant political implications um but you're you're absolutely right uh, uh, about the inclusivity component and you know <clears throat> arguably you know tyr tyranny is really just the attempt by people to um hem people in to, to to limit their options to to hem people into specific economic and political um systems i mean really there's no there is i mean I, i've never articulated it like this but there's really no it's like space-time you know mm -hmm. economics and politics in fact, yeah. they're probably more unified than actually than space time actually is. Um, right. You know, there there is no economics without politics. There is no politics without without money and, and the structures that distribute it and maintain the money. Right? It's it, it's it's all interconnected. Um, and yeah, the world with the most freedom is the world where people have the most influence over the structures 
that exactly. restrict them, that restrict mm -hmm. their actions. Um, yeah, that that is. And and you you don't have any freedom at all if you can't choose, right? Which ones that you're that you're a part of, right? Because the whole point of tyranny is personal gain at the expense of others, right? And the reason that a free market is not tyrannical is because in order for you to have personal gain, you have to do what is in the interest of the market, aka other people. Right. And if you have cronyism, like we have with a lot of industries here in the US, then you lose a lot of that free market ability because large businesses that have influence are able to ensure their their success and monopoly and, and that sort of thing. Um, so when people complain about capitalism and the <laughs> the bad effects of it, most of the time it, it comes down to you know, issues with lobbying and um you know that that sort of structure in in the u.s at least in other countries where you you're influencing the free market and making it less free well i would articulate it differently i mean i suspect that we don't necessarily share the same beliefs uh yes. you know which is fine and, and, and that being said i would I believe underneath our beliefs, there are shared <laughs> beliefs. Um, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and we could have many fascinating conversations about it. Um, I, I would articulate the point maybe a little bit differently based on my beliefs, sure. um, which is something like I see the world, I see people as essentially divided up into two groups. Um, you know, one group you might call entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial spirited individuals and, and and these are people who want to work together with other people to produce things that other people find valuable sure you know yeah <laughs> and then there are other people who fundamentally do not operate like that Mm -hmm. And and instead, they operate more like, I, I mean, we could call them bureaucrats or bureaucratically minded people. And these are people who think, who believe that they are somehow entitled to have things and to tell other people what to do, despite the fact that they do not create any value, nor do they have any interest in creating value. Mm. They, you know, like they can't do it. I mean, right. that's the thing. It's like creating values really hard. And so sure. a lot of people can't do it. And I think it's kind of, yeah, a lot of people can't do it. And so what do those people do? And I think those people, they basically try to impose their will on other people through other methods because they can't get those people to voluntarily um, <laughs> pay them for their services. And so sure. I think that's, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of what you're getting at. Like you use the term free market to kind of get at that. It's like, yeah, the, there's the free market stuff and then there's, um, yeah, you, you know, and that's makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I would just articulate it that way. No. I, I, and I think we're, we're saying the same thing here. I, I agree that we definitely have 
common ground yeah. <laughs> underneath yeah, like, it all. Yeah, you know, I, I think where, where I probably diverge, um, you know, I really like the conceptual framework of post-capitalism. Sure. Um, that's, and if I had to pick a, an idea, like an economic ideology, it would be post-capitalism, not yes. capitalism, not socialism. Um, so, you know, not capitalism. Uh, which might surprise some people, but yeah. <laughs> um, this really isn't the point of this. We were supposed to get to the yeah. road. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that's the, that's a fair point. Um, I think but, that. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think I could tie. I, I think I could tie it into the roadmap because it's like. Okay, we have all of these grand ambitions, right? You know, and where a lot of people go wrong and turn evil is when they have a vision of the future that they think is right. Mm -hmm. And then they go, you do it, you right. do it, and you have no choice. Um, <clears throat> and we're not those kind of people. So the question then becomes, okay, you have this vision of the future. How do you make it a reality? Um, sure. What products do you bring to market um, that are going to accelerate the world in this direction? And so, mm -hmm. of course, Koinos is step one. Um, but you know as well as anyone, and I'd even be curious to, to hear your thoughts on this, but like, it seems to me like there's this idea that all you need is a blockchain. <laughs> it seems like that's the narrative that other projects put out. It's like, here you go, here's right. a blockchain. Um, <clears throat> now I'm rich and I'll see you later, you know, right. or I'm rich and I'm king. Right. You right. know, um, our approach seems very different. It's, it's totally different than mm -hmm. what I've seen anybody else do in the space, but it was always what seemed like the right path to me, even at Steemit. Mm. Um, I was pushing internally for us to kind of become, become this. Um, but uh, certainly once we started the company, it was, we were all in alignment that the right way to do this is to build the thing that you want to build on mm -hmm. and then what do you build as the people that built it well you build all the other things that developers will need to build their things right because you have that expertise um <clears throat> you know that's the right role for the builders in our, in our opinion right. um and so um you know that stuff for us is all the things that bridge the application to Coinos. Mm. Um, you know, it's all the connective tissue that DAP developers like yourself will need to take advantage of, of Coinos and its capabilities, which are, you know, these anti-tyranny capabilities, right? Um, <clears throat> Now that's not how we articulated it. So why the web two to web three thing? It was like, well, what what unique value proposition does Coinos give 
to app developers that we think is going to make their applications appealing to ordinary people. Well, it's a web two user experience. Mm, yeah. You know, um, if we're going to accelerate decentralization, what that means is that we have to onboard as many ordinary people as possible. And that means all the people who are currently using web two and who are looking for a web two user experience. Right. You know, so if we effectively bridge, if, if we, if we effectively create the bridge between apps and coinos, what the, <laughs> the, the result is bridging web two to web three. Right. And it's, it, it's important to bear that in mind because it leads you to make all kinds of important technical decisions. It's it's not just marketing. Um, you know, our decision to use things like Wasm, AMQP, the microservice architecture, um, Protobuf, these are web two tools. Right. And so this is a, a key piece of how we actually bridge web two to web three but yeah. literally and figuratively <laughs> right 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 no i <clears throat> that's a really interesting um i can see how your your beliefs off chain <laughs> tie into the design of coinos and, and really this vision of bridging web 2 to web 3 because the the nature of coinos is it's distinctly different from every other blockchain project out there right you have the mana system you have an inflation uh rate which is low but you're you're not shy about that and every other blockchain is trying to make it deflation you know rub the back of the the holder and, and don't worry about the other guy and so to see a blockchain that really goes against that in a lot of ways it is post-capitalist because you have uh, a system that isn't like it is a free market people can come in and build on it they can do what they want to do but you also have this like almost like a universal basic income concept of being able to give your mana away. And, you know, it's uh, when you're talking about bringing Web2 users into Web3, you're you really have uh, kind of a kind of a post capitalist model for doing that. Um, and I think that what you're doing with Coinos Pro, making it even easier for developers and yeah, charging for it in certain paid tiers with your mana fountains and that sort of thing. Um, like it, it ties together a lot of different views in a very interesting way. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad it does. <laughs> um, and it's been really good to see that um, I've now actually talked to a lot of, a lot of teams yeah. Um, you know, we've got our partners, our partners, and they're really amazing conversations because I'll be like, hey, you know, we'd really love to partner with you. Here's what we're looking to get out of it. Here's what we're building. Um, here's our product. Mm. There's going to be a free tier, and then there's going to be paid tiers. And so far, the reaction that we get is excitement. <laughs> which is which is a really great sign. Yeah. Um, but it's because people really underestimate how much fear there is 
on the part of the developer ab about jumping to some new thing mm -hmm. um, that is requires a lot of investment and risk aside from the literal costs right. um, of using the blockchain. And so when we talk about our paid tiers, what developers so far, every one of them totally understands right away is I can have predictable costs. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, and, and and I I have the team that invented this thing. They're holding my hand, and they're building this critical piece here, um, and they're implementing it in a way that is going to allow me to keep control of my costs and and know that if things explode, hmm. um, I won't blow up or like you know it's. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like, I mean, you obviously get it, but like, imagine how s people need to imagine how scary it would be for, for a developer to think if my application explodes, I might have to find millions of dollars <laughs> to yeah. handle, you know, yeah. um, the usage. Right. Yeah. Oh, but don't worry, ETH will be so valuable, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. you'll just be so rich. Right. It's like, yeah, we want developers to be optimistic about their odds of success. Um, and I'm actually kind of giving you my pitch now to, to yeah. when we when we talk about developers. Like, look, we want you to be optimistic about your odds of success and believe that you're going to be the app that goes viral, you know. Right. Um, but what if you're not mm. what if you just have steady growth you know or what if you explode one day and then go back to normal the other day it's like right. we want you to be able to continue operating as a business regardless right. you know and the other projects are being you know i think there's this tendency for other projects to effectively market this idea that to play into to play into this optimism and just be like you know what if they blow up our fees you know our fees will spike mm -hmm. and will be great even right. if their app tanks right yeah yeah and that sucks right and like what you're talking about here is just good business because it it really is we're trying yeah, yeah. it's if like I'm, so weird in the blockchain space <laughs> like i mean take the blockchain stuff away right if you're building a business an app or something that every time somebody uses it that person has to pay that's a terrible experience right that limits the types of apps that you can build successfully um and so having a model where the user doesn't have to pay is great and you can probably do this on a lot of fee chains but now you have a capital expenditure to acquire enough tokens to support 
the usage you expect. And yeah, if you have a spike, now you need more money. <laughs> you need to go get more tokens, right? Um, so having CapEx be like your limiting factor for how many users you can get is a really bad feeling. It's really hard to budget with that. So shifting that to an operational expense really changes the the mentality of a, of a developer. So I really appreciate that. I'm glad. Yeah, I, I think people just dramatically underestimate the negative impact of the volatility of the fees has. Mm -hmm. You know, when people are like, ah, oh, but this has low fees, you know, and it's like, but it might be five cents, it might be 30 cents. Like, like if a like if a if if a platform achieved, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. um, but you know fees ranging between five cents and thirty cents that would be a low cost chain, right? Yeah. We're talking about hundreds of percent in volatility. <laughs> yeah, totally destroys everything. It right. totally destroys everything. It breaks right. down everything the developer's ability to deliver a consistent user experience, the user's ability to, it's like, it all breaks down and makes success effectively impossible to me, in my mind. Like, that's yeah. what I see. It's like, you guys keep talking about the nominal amount of the fee and you don't talk about the volatility, which is insane right. to me. It's insane, I like nobody talks about the volatility. Like it's not a big deal. Right. The, the big problem with the volatility too is that it it's not based on anything you can control right if i'm a developer and i have five to thirty cents as a range am i going to have enough to last one month or six months and now you know oh i'm i'm chugging along great my growth is steady and then some other app blows up and now my costs triple so <laughs> that sucks right yeah and there's no way to cap it at 30 cents if right. it can go from five to 30 cents. And th th these people, it's, it's so stupid that it could only be malicious in my mind mm. that to go, you know, 90% of the time it's between five and 30 <laughs> and only 1% of the time does it ever go to $30. Right. It's like, well, do you, you realize that the developer has to plan for the $30. Right. Right. You know, potentiality. And it's just like, you know, I, I, I think that's why, you know, I think one of the things that, that we maybe don't talk about enough or is underappreciated um, is, is really the, the, it, it might be the real the reality that you know what makes mana such a powerful solution is is the elimination of the volatility mm -hmm. you know it, you know because people will be like well you know they're not the, you're not eliminating the fee there's the opportunity cost you know that's the fee and it's like fine we could have that debate if you really think that these things are parity you know i think you're crazy um, but sure, whatever, but it's a, it's a, it, it, it's a fee without any volatility. Right. And, and, and now like. And, and to you, be fair, mm. it's a, 
it's a monetary volatility. You you will never decrease your balance as a result of volatility of the mana cost of things. If the mana cost goes up, Correct. you yeah. might run out of mana for a short period of time, but it's constantly recharging. So there's no point where you're like, ah, now I have to spend more money to get more coins so that I have enough mana. It's just, you can wait for it to recharge. And when the volatility dies down, you're great. You're golden. You didn't lose anything. So that's the power. Yeah. And, and the experience that, that we had on, on steam, and I think you still see on hive and I mean, I think there's probably math to back it up. Um, but what you see is that what the system delivers is a consistent user experience to existing holders. Mm. So once you're in, you have the same experience basically forever. Right. Um, <clears throat> at least that's what we saw with Steam. I think it'll roughly be about the same. We'll see, like, we might see far more volatility in the coin price at the beginning than there was with Steam. I don't, you know, it's good. Who knows what's gonna happen, but, you know, the smart contract nature, of coinos flexibility the ability to launch dapps is you know may have a significant impact on the behaviors that we see sure but you know um you have one percent of the token supply you have one percent of network resources and that doesn't change mm -hmm. so like that's a big deal because existing users are like yeah this thing works today like it worked yesterday all you know the maybe the price spiked maybe volume spiked you know but as far as i'm concerned it's still the platform the same great platform right and then new users are primed mm -hmm. when they come in about the user experience like it cost me this much Yep. You know, to get in, I have this user experience and this is based and the system is basically designed to maintain that user experience over time. And so it's, it, it's interesting. I'm glad that we're kind of touching on these subjects that we don't usually touch on of, you know, the importance of predictability. Like these are yeah. boring things that, that, <laughs> you know, maybe don't hype a chain. Sure. Um, but they do, I believe, um, create long-term value and are like really foundational strengths because you know with with dApps like cap finally coming on which i'm super excited about um this is a really exciting time yeah. because i think what cap shows to me is that we're getting closer to having those kinds of applications that ordinary people can can use and <clears throat> when they when they touch these applications um hype is not what is going to excite them right it, it's the user experience. It all comes down to the user experience. Mm -hmm. And like no other chain 
is even close to to where we are in terms of user experience because they haven't prioritized it nearly as right. much. They haven't, they're very far behind us in terms of prioritizing user experience. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I'm personally very excited about the uh, the Coinless Pro MVP, which you're launching this quarter, because I mean, like you, you announced, we're partnered, right? Cap and, and Coinless Group. And so as we're getting to our manifestations where we're getting uh, mana in the hands of everybody who holds a cap name, yes, we have some of our own coin and we can fund that. But, you know, if there's some dApps that come up and really blow things out of the water uh, and we run out of mana, having your mana fountains as like the backup there so that we can keep people using the blockchain is a, a really powerful option for us. So we're excited to, to see that come out so that we can start playing with it. That's really interesting. That's really awesome to hear. Because um, I think at first glance, the mana fountain and the mana stations sound very similar and could almost sound competitive. Right. Um, so it's really cool to hear how you guys are thinking about how you'll leverage the mana fountains to yeah. help with, with the, the mana stations. And I think that um, and that's a great example of where we hope this partnership will go. Um, is just working with you guys to figure out how we can make Coinos Pro as useful and valuable to you guys as as possible. Um, get get product feedback from you. You know, Coinos Pro as a SaaS platform, um, it doesn't. It only really generates meaningful revenue at scale. Right. And so at this stage of the development, what's most important is getting feedback from developers who are at the forefront of DAP development um, to give us that product feedback to, to help us develop those features that they'll need so that we can charge other developers for that in the future. Because they're yeah. going to need the same exact things. Yep. They just don't know it yet. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, all right, we're starting to run up against time here, but I wanted to talk about Coinos Play some more. Uh, so you already have partnerships announced with GameStack and um, CyberX, and now you've got a partnership with Splinterlands. Um, and you know, you talked about the vision of Coinos Play and how it's this uh, place for user-friendly tooling and uh, making it super easy and playful for uh, game developers to integrate with blockchain. I'm wondering if you could go into a little bit more detail about, um, I guess, how you see this and, and how it actually works and, you know, more of the detail is what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now one thing people need to remember is that our customers are developers. Mm. Um, now it's my job to make what we're building as exciting as possible um, because developers need to get excited too. Developers need to be made aware of what we're doing. 
So I need to make it as exciting and interesting as possible while being truthful. Sure. Um, so now that being said, um, and remembering that our customers are developers, you know, the, the actual implementation of Coinos Play probably isn't actually going to wind up being as interesting to ordinary people um, mm. <laughs> as they might think. Sure. Um, you know, and so at the end of the day, Coinos Play is really going to be libraries. Sure. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> with pretty buttons, right? Yeah. Like, Coinos Pro is primarily an API. Sure. You know, and so developers are going to come in, and 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 if you're not a developer, that's cool. Like, um, let me explain it to to non-developers right now. You know, if you're a non-developer, if you're just a user who wants amazing things to be built on Coinos. That means we need developers to come in and build amazing things on Coinos. Right. If developers make the decision that they want to build on Coinos, what they're going to look for is a great API, a trustworthy API. Right. <clears throat> and so that needs to be there. It needs to be there all the time. And it needs to be built the way that they expect it to be built. Sure. But but an ordinary user and 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 even a developer who doesn't know anything about Coinos, this is meaningless to them. This is of zero value. Right. Right. So the question that we were asking ourselves is, how do we get that developer who wants to build a great Web three application? um who wants who maybe even has the thought i want to build a web3 application that has a web2 user experience mm. you know um i so so we found a developer who's like i want to build a, a web3 dap that people just love using what yeah. what could we present to that developer where they're going to be like this is amazing. This is exactly what I want. And Coinos Play is the idea that emerged out of that thought experiment. And so what we wanted to do is we want we want to say, okay, let's provide them with an interface that says, here's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Here's how you do it. Yeah. Click this button. Go yeah. here. Yeah. So then the next question naturally becomes, well, what does that developer look like? And what buttons are they going to want to click? Yeah, you know. Um, and so, and then, what's the right developer for the Coinos ecosystem? And what's the right developer? What's the right DAP for our mission? For a, you know, for furthering our mission. And that's why we came to games. Which ultimately, when we had the realization, we were like, "Duh, called <laughs> Mana," you know. Um, yeah. But but games, um, they're just so perfect for the blockchain. Mm -hmm. Although they're really only perfect for the Coinos blockchain because games like kind of our SaaS platform, they only really work at scale. You know, you need lots of players and you need lots of players buying lots of 
things, buying lots of digital assets, right. really. Um, that's really what the revenue models of any game come down to. Um, so, you know, but because they operate at scale and they, and, you know, people just use them, um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, well, they really rely heavily on a freemium model and, and Coinos is basically a freemium blockchain. Right. So the fit seemed really perfect. And so then it became, and, and a lot of this stuff happened kind of naturally. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we started talking to these gaming companies, mm -hmm. started listening to their, their, their challenges and hearing what they wanted to do. Things like launching NFTs, duh, right. yeah. you know, um, things like um, moving, uh, connecting game engines to the blockchain. Mm. And basically they're telling us what they want to do. And we're saying, well, Coinos would accomplish that trivially. That would be trivial on Coinos. And they're telling us about how hard of a time that they're having it using the existing tools that they have available. Mm. And so, you know, Coinos play really emerged out of that. And it essentially is the libraries that our gaming partners tell us uh, they need the most. Cool. Um, and it's based on the same underlying logic that we apply to Coinos Pro, where if our early partners need this, then the odds are other people need this. Now, the beauty of Coinos Play is that we don't really need to charge for it because we'll monetize it through Coinos Pro. Cool. So, yeah. so it's really about accelerating the usage of Coinos Pro, accelerating the usage of Coinos, growing mm -hmm. the ecosystem, and generating more more calls on our infrastructure. Sure. No, uh, that makes good sense. Um, yeah, and we are at time here, so I'm gonna wrap it up with just a couple thoughts. But the it's interesting because we've we've had conversations before probably on the podcast um talking about how unopinionated coinos is where you can come in and build whatever you want but it sounds like now as you're talking to more developers and especially focusing on specific industries like gaming you're uncovering the underlying opinions that are common to a lot of your customers hmm. and so now you're building tooling that bakes the opinions mm -hmm. <laughs> at a certain layer uh, so that you're saving them time, right? And you know they could circumvent the, the opinions you give them and all that, but that just educates you more on what you could build to help them. That's a, that's a really great way of thinking about it. It's really interesting. Yeah, uh, but you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that it, it <laughs> the max the, the maximal degree of unopinionatedness of coinos mm -hmm. is what that the is its superpower right and the and the consequence of that is that it also maximizes the opportunities yep. there are to impose opinions at higher levels and like cap is a perfect example of that. It's like, well, I have an opinion that people can't remember human like <laughs> random yeah. strings of letters and numbers. 
Yeah. So I'm going to, to deliver this smart contract that allows people to have, have usernames. It's like, great, huge opportunity there, you know? So yeah. like, I, I think that's a really powerful way uh, to think about it. Of It's like, yes, the power of this blockchain is that it's unopinionated. Right. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't have opinions. In fact, here you go. Wow, that's really that's really a cool thing. It's like it empowers you to have opinions. Right. I I think we've seen that in a lot of different ways too. Like now we're having these debates about um, how to improve the token standard and and things like that. And in, in the past, in in other in, like in in the Steam blockchain, and I think I saw this in the EOS ecosystem as well as a spectator, but there's a fear of having an opinion mm. um and it's like bad to have an opinion because hey we can't change things guys don't have an opinion about that right right um and so there's just a culture of fear which is kind of another form of tyranny that you see in many other blockchains if not all of them i think it's really cool to see in coinos it's like we're actually pushing people to have opinions we're actually holding back our opinion, Coinos Group, to try to motivate people to embrace those opinions and propose those opinions. And there's nothing that makes us gets us more excited than seeing developers come in and say, "I have an opinion about how Coinos should work." Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and then we go, "Yeah, that's what, we we built this for you." Mm -hmm. Cool, awesome. Well, Andrew, I really appreciate your time today. Um, there is more we could talk about. Obviously, you had the, the hackathon recently, which is still wrapping up. Um, you've got a uh, collection in CoinDX coming up. Uh, if anybody's wanting to know more there, I had episodes with them recently. You can talk, you can listen to Justin and Von Luton talk about their projects. Um, but yeah, a lot more to come on the roadmap and a lot of very interesting and exciting things headed our way. So, Andrew, really appreciate your time today. This was great. So a pleasure is always almost too pleasurable. You know, I can't, I can't, can't shut up. Like I know everybody's like shorten your answers. I'm like, it's just too interesting. I'm sorry. No, it's a good conversation. No, I appreciate it. Always fun to talk to you. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, that's all the time we have. Thank you for tuning in. Join me next week for the CoinPress podcast. Bye for now.